This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Together. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are. This is what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you here this morning. Excited about our fall kicking off. And of course, a big day in Wisconsin today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Packers get to do their thing today. We're excited about that. So uh, anyway, today we are uh, starting this month. We're going to be wrapping up our series. We've been in it for a while. Significant events of the Old Testament. We're about halfway through the Old Testament, but we hit the highest ones. We're going to break away from it for a while. Kind of wrap it up with the uh, life of King David. Now, we just finished going through Judges these people that God would use to help Israel. God had brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of oppression. Uh, they had a hard time shaking their old habits, though. It was tough. Forty years in the wilderness. Finally, they went in, took the promised land, got everything going for them. God said, okay, you're blessed. You stay here. Do the right thing. I'll bless you. You do the wrong thing. I will kick your butt. And, of course, mostly they did the wrong things and got their butts kicked over and over and over again. God would raise up these people to pull them out of trouble. They we were called judges. As you continue to read your Bible, you'll find now <clears throat> there's a prophet that comes along. His name is Samuel. He's a great prophet. Uh, and uh, Samuel leads the people. And as he's coming to the end of his life, uh, he um, is getting to wrap things up. And the people say, well, you know, we, we want a king. We want a king. Everybody else has a king. Why can't we have a king? They wanted a king just like all the other nations around them. And this has been a problem, actually, for people of faith forever. There is always the pressure, the temptation to just want to look, sound, and act, and feel just like everybody else around us. Somebody say amen. And to a great degree, I mean, we can certainly fit in with the world around us, but at some point, we're different. Everybody say we're different. There's something different about us. We live life differently. We approach life differently. We're people of faith. And we're always supposed to keep in mind, at some point, we ain't like everybody else. All right, now, that doesn't mean you have to go all Amish on everybody and, you know, and really, that's why they do what they do, because they, from their faith perspective, uh, they don't want to be like the rest of the world. Okay, God bless them. A little kind of a strong statement there, but uh, we don't need to do that. 
But at some point, we always have to remember we are different than everyone else. Uh, but uh, there's always this temptation. You want to start acting. I tell you, especially you young people, the world is out there. They are going to try and squeeze you into its mold. They want you to act, think, and behave just like they do. And uh, the, thing, the challenge is to be in the world but not of the world, the Bible teaches us. So we're not supposed to go hide in a corner. We're supposed to be right in the midst of it. But at some point, we are not the same. But they wanted to be like everybody else. God says, man, you don't want a king. These guys are going to come and they're going to press you. You're going to be their slaves. You've got to pay all these taxes to them and, and everything else. But no, they wanted a king. God said, all right, you can have a king. And that's where you get the two books in the Bible, First and Second Kings. And it records hundreds of years of history of them living under these kings. Most of these kings were absolute complete disasters. It's a fascinating read. But the greatest of the kings that were ever among them was King David. So the very first king, his name is Saul. He was a bit of a disappointment. Uh, but uh, and it's while Saul is king that David first starts coming into the picture as a young man. Let's read about it. This is in 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. It says, now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokah in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes-Damim between Sokah and Azekah, Saul and the Israelites. Saul was the king. And the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah, uh, just south of uh, Chicago, and uh, drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. So the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites the other with this valley between them. Well, the Philistines had this champion named Goliath. He was from Gath. He came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. Say, how big is that? That's nine feet, nine inches. That's a big boy. That's a big old boy. We got uh, Colin Cole with us, former defensive man with the uh, Green Bay Packers this morning. Give him a hand. Come here. Stand up. Stand up, big man. Turn around. Turn around, man. How tall are you? Six foot two. Six foot two. Yes. This man is nine foot nine. This is, he'll look like me compared to Goliath. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> man, oh man, the Packers would want to hire that dude. Can you imagine him as a defensive end? Nine foot nine. He was a big guy. Uh, he had a bronze helmet on his head and he wore a coat of scale armor. A bronze wearing 5,000 shekels was 125 pounds. He's got 125 pounds of this stuff on him. Uh, he had a bronze helmet on. Did you ever see bronze? Pick up bronze. It's heavy stuff. All right, just not aluminum. <laughs> it's heavy bronze. He's got a bronze everything. And he's got, he wears a bronze greaves. He's got a bronze javelin slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, big stick, iron point. Weighed five, or 600 shekels, which was like 15 pounds, just the point of this thing. And then his shield bearer went ahead of him. Now, you got a guy this big, it sucks to be the shield bearer is all I got to figure. <laughs> Who's going to carry all that stuff, man? It's like, oh, so he's a big guy. Well, Goliath stands and he shouts to the rank of Israel's, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man. Have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our servants, subjects, and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man. Let us fight each other. 
On hearing the Philistine words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Verse 16, for 40 days, <laughs> 40 days they do this. The Israelites would line up on one hill. The Philistines would line up on the other. They'd all, break for dinner, you know, and they'd come back later that evening. 40 days! It was a complete standoff. No one had an advantage in terms of physical strength except for this one big dude who would come out and say, come on, why don't you guys fight me and then we'll just end this this way. And whoever wins will be the end of it. Well, now Jesse, who is the father of David, uh, Jesse says to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to the camp and, uh, and take along these 10 cheeses to the commander. <laughs> you know, kind of suck up to the commander. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. Well, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry <laughs> every day. Then they'd stop. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other, 40 days of this nonsense. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines. He wants to see what's going on. He asked his brothers, how you doing? And while they're talking with him, Goliath, this big yo mama dude from Gath, steps out from his lines, shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw him, they all fled from him in great fear. So this is going on over and on. David starts asking, well, what, what's going on? And they explain the situation. It's a big stand-up. They got this guy. He's begging us to come out, but nobody has the cojones to go face this guy. So finally, David says to Saul, remember, Saul is the king. Well, Saul is stressed out to the max at this point, 40 days of this now. So they're trying to figure out, how do we do this? They got their plans. They're trying to, nobody can come up with a plan. So David says to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine, your servant, was how he referred to himself. I'll go out and fight him. Well, Saul, this kid's probably about 17 years old, all right? And Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. Young enough that he wasn't, he might have been 60. Nobody really quite knows. He was young enough that he wasn't out fighting. He was back home watching all the lambs. Bah, all right? And this punk comes. He says, I'll take him. You can't do this. You're only a young man. He's been a warrior from his youth. But David says to Saul, look, I was keeping my father's sheep, and a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock. I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul finally says, okay, <laughs> the Lord be with you. <laughs> God bless y'all. <laughs> See you later. It's going to be mincemeat for this guy. Well, as we know the rest of the story, David goes out, he takes a sling, starts running to this Philistine. This Philistine sees a scrawny little snot coming to him. He's mad as a hornet. He felt and so insulted. Seriously, this is the best you got? And he said, I'm going to tear this kid apart. He starts coming to him. David lets loose a rock, hits the guy in the head, knocks him out stone cold. He drops to the floor of the, of the field there. And then David takes the guy's sword, cuts off his head, and holds up his head. Now all the Philistines went, Ah! <laughs> All the Israelites went, yeah! And they 
took off chasing these guys out of there, and it was a big victory. And it was the beginning of David's public life from all these people. And he eventually becomes this great, incredible king. We'll take more looks at that in the, in the next few weeks uh, as, as we go, this, go through this. Now, here's the thing. When David said that he could take Goliath, people have got to think, look, either he is really arrogant or really stupid or maybe he knows something we don't know. <laughs> and the reality was he knew something they didn't know. You see, he had the confidence because he had faced challenges before. It wasn't an overnight thing. This wasn't the first rodeo for this boy. It wasn't the first time he faced a dangerous situation. Say, well, it was on a nine-foot guy. Yeah, it was a bear. Bears kill people. I was taking Deanna for a walk the other day around our, our neighborhood, and we're walking around, and she's going, what are you doing? She's, I'm looking for bears. <laughs> Man, this is Green Bay. We don't got no bears. We get bears once a year. Then we beat them and send them back to Illinois. <laughs> Hallelujah. She's, she says, she says, no, I'm just so used to the bears. You got to always watch. I said, really? Yeah. They come out and kill people all the time. They go for walks and the bear says, ooh, there's a sandwich. Ah, yeah. So, so David was this scrappy dude. The bear comes and grabs one of the sheep. David goes, hammers the thing over the head, frees the sheep, and the bear turns around, Rah! and then he kills the thing. I mean, this boy has got some testosterone going. You know what I'm saying? Does the same thing with a lion. Dangerous lions, again, kill people. Both times, he had enough confidence, and it was because he had actually done something, had an experience. It created with him great confidence so that he knew in this situation, I'll do the same thing. You know, one of the saddest things that I know for people of faith is oftentimes I run into someone, and they've never really had to trust God for much anything. They really haven't. You know, for whatever reason, maybe just they haven't had problems, maybe life's been good, but at some point, man, life gets nasty. Somebody say amen. Something goes, and you know, financially everything's falling about, or relationships are all falling apart, or doctor says you got some disease they don't know what to do with, and, and if that's the first time you've ever really had to trust God, I always feel sorry for these people. Now, if that's you, we'll stand with you, we'll hold you up, we'll pray for you, we'll encourage you. But I got some encouragement for you. What you want to do, you want to start experiencing God now before you start facing the Goliaths in your life. Somebody say amen. One of the things that we do with our young people is we want to encourage them to experience God. So the reason for this is uh, we are launching this fall uh, a new vision, a clarifying vision for Celebration Church. Four points that we want to hit. Number one, we want people to know God. Not just know about God, but to actually know and experience God. Number two, to find freedom in their lives. You can know God and still be all bound up. We're going to be talking about that. You need to get free. Number three, we want people to discover their purpose in life. That can be a little challenging. Sometimes trying to figure out who am I, where do I fit in. We're going to show you how you can get to that. And then number four, to make a difference in people's lives. These are the four things we're going to be facing and talking about as we launch into this fall. And of course, today I want to talk about knowing God. When you know God, you experience God, it changes you. It's different than just knowing about God. A lot of people know about God. I grew up in church knowing about God, but I had never really encountered Christ in my life until I was a, later in life as a teenager. And then, boom, it changed my life. 
everything changed. When you know Jesus, it's different than just knowing about Jesus. Somebody say amen. And when you start to experience these things, it changes you. And everything about what we do here at Celebration Church is encouraging people to experience God from the littlest ones up to the biggest ones, to really experience God. We have our T1 program, our Transition 1 program, which is a gap year program. Uh, we encourage young people, when you come out of high school, don't just run off to college right away. Slow down. Take a year off. Put God first. And there's all kinds of gap year programs all around the country. We have one here at Celebration Church. And uh, in fact, we got a bunch of T1 students this morning. Where y'all at? Come on up here real quick. Give me a hand. Look at these pretty young men and women. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just lying up there like we're going to shoot you. There you go. No, Look at these guys. Excellent. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're going to be working with them, getting into the scriptures, teaching them life, how to do life, how to make decisions, how to lead, how to handle your finances, all kinds of, and most of all, to know God, to experience God, because this will be a life-changing thing, and then we're going to be doing this for like six months, and then I think the last three months we're sending you off to the mission field in Africa, I think is where we're sending you guys, and it'll be great. It's awesome. This young lady, she's from Germany, flew in today from Germany. Yeah. Very cool. We even got a Puerto Rican, praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen, amen. Now, we got a couple of young, we're missing two. We got two people from Rwanda coming, right? Yeah, yeah, they'll stand out, hallelujah, yeah, that'll be awesome. So they're not here, so it's going to be great, and it works, so, so excited. Okay, go sit back down. Anyway, there you go. We want them to experience. God. And you want to start experiencing God now. Now in your life. Again, don't just wait for some disaster. If you wait until it's all hitting the fan, it's really hard to grab hold of faith. You want to build your faith ahead of time. You want to prepare. You want to get ready. And the more you are prepared uh, and experience things, the more you're prepared for life. I was just talking to Colin before the service. You know, he's, he's getting ready to go into broadcasting and stuff. He says, he's a little nervous. All the cameras come on and stuff. But he says, he's faced challenges before. Bunch of men want to knock his brains out, you know. And you learn that. I got news for you. The world wants to knock your brains out. Somebody say amen. I mean, it may not be rushing at you and trying to hit you, but man, life is hard. It's really, 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 really hard. This is not heaven, okay? Heaven's coming. This is a, we're in a little bit of a hostile situation. There's times when the world, the flesh, and the devil will throw everything they got at you and try to knock you over. And how do you get prepared for it? You do it ahead of time. All right? Even like for football, you don't just go out there and line up against somebody. You practice. You're, you know what I'm saying? You lift weights. You get, you get yourself ready. That's what we want people to do. All about Celebration Church, our worship services, all the different programs that we have is about having people to encounter the living Christ so they can truly experience God. Because when you start truly experiencing God, it will change you and it will prepare you for what's to come. Jesus said, in this life, you will have tribulation. Now that's, you know, a lot of people have promise verses they like to claim. Very few people claim that one. 
<laughs> where are you going to have tribulation? Nobody wants tribulation. I hate tribulation. I hate it when my french fries are cold. I hate being inconvenienced in any way, shape, or form. But in this life, you will have trouble. How many know what I'm talking about? All right? You don't want to wait until you have trouble before you learn how to encounter the living God in your life. You want to build your faith, grow. You want to have the lion and the bear experiences in your life. So when the big things come at you, you can handle it. Why is it so important to know God? Because that's really what eternal life is all about. Now, uh, oftentimes in the Gospels, it was recorded where Jesus would go to pray and stuff. Now, we often don't know what he prayed, but one time he's praying and John overhears a prayer and he records it in his Gospel. And one of the things he hears Jesus say is this, in John the 17th chapter, Jesus is praying, talking to God. He says, now this is eternal life. Now what is eternal life? If you were to ask people, what is eternal life? You'll get all kinds of answers. People will say, you know, it means living forever. And well, actually, everybody's going to live forever. It's true. Everybody lives forever. Everybody lives forever. Just matters where you're going to live forever. <laughs> Make sure you're living in the right place. There's a nasty alternative to heaven out there, I'm telling you. Everybody's going to live. So it's not just about living forever. It's not just about sitting in heaven on a cloud playing of harp or, you know, or whatever people think. What is eternal life? What is the essence of eternal? Jesus says, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John later writes a letter to the church much later in his life. And he basically reminds them of this point. He says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. It is in Christ. It's in experiencing God that you start to experience eternal life. And the reality is, we don't just wait to die to experience eternal life. We experience eternal life right now. That's the joy of plugging into Christ, about being born again, having a spiritual experience, that you start to experience heaven now. You don't wait till then. <laughs> you experience it right now that they might know God, Jesus said. Now, when the Bible says, uses the word know, it's often used uh, to describe <laughs> intimacy. Now, for example, in the newer translations, this is, you know, Adam made love to Eve and she had a baby. That, you know, that's English. In, in the Bible terms, what it says is, uh, Adam knew Eve. Now, there's knowing somebody, and then there's, you know, knowing somebody, you know. <laughs> so this idea of knowing, we're supposed to know God, really experience everything about God because it will change you. And it gives you great confidence, just like David had this great confidence, this amazing moment in his life that we're still talking about thousands of years later. This young scrappy dude knew that he knew that he knew he could do it and he went out and he did it oftentimes I'll encounter someone we'll talk about eternal things and I'll say well let me ask you a question dude. if you died right now would you go to heaven a lot of times people say well you know I hope so I think so you know I'd, I'd, I'm not as bad as I used to be you know, and I've used this analogy before people think that getting to heaven is a matter of the scales, that, that if you're a little better than you were bad, then you get in. You know, that's, but that's not, the, the scales are like this, man. You're doomed. Bad has got you. Bad's got all of us. 
There's no way you can work off your way into heaven. There's not enough little old ladies to help across the street to do good deeds that'll fix this thing. We are lost, lost. Everybody say lost. Very lost without God. Jesus comes and he straightens out the scales and throws it in our favor. This is done by grace. But do you know? If you don't know, that's a very bad sign. Because if you have truly encountered God and someone asks you, if you die today, would you go to heaven? You'll go, oh, yeah. Yeah, how can you say that with such confidence? In fact, sometimes people hear you say that and they'll think like the guys of David, either this person's really arrogant, he thinks he's going to heaven, or he's really stupid, or he knows something I don't know. And the reality is we know something they don't know. We know the living God. We've experienced Jesus. And while you can talk about him and explain things to them about knowing God, it's not until you know him, experience him. Jesus talked about it being a rebirth, about being born again. Some guy came to Jesus, man, how, how do we get to heaven? So we got to be born again. And the guy, you know, he'd never heard this phrase before. He says, well, how do you do that? <laughs> Can't crawl back up in your mom. I mean, that's gross, you know. He says, no, man, not that. He says, you got to be born of the spirit, a spiritual transformation. And when you do this and you really experience God, something changes dramatically. And then you start having these old hymns like, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And they were singing, they, it's, this is something that you know, this blessed assurance, it changes everything. And the more you grow in your faith, the more you experience God, the more you can handle the things that are going to be coming at you. Because life is hard. So the real question this morning is, do you know God? There's a lot of people sitting here this morning, somebody visiting for the first time, a lot of people watch us on television all over with, uh, northern Wisconsin, uh, watching right now. My question, do, do you know God? Have you truly experienced the grace of God in your life? If you haven't, we want to encourage you to take the first step of faith with us right now. We're going to pray a prayer together. I'm going to ask everybody to pray with me this prayer. Uh, but we're going to pray a prayer together where you just acknowledge Christ and ask him into your life and if you'll do this by faith and put your trust in him you can start your walk now we begin to experience God and know God and grow in your faith so that you too can have great confidence just like David had with his challenge you'll start to have great confidence because you know God is with you you know God is on your side let's bow our heads in prayer and let's pray this prayer together say dear Jesus I believe you are the son of God and that you love me so much, you went to the cross and you took my punishment. I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I want to know you and I surrender myself to you right now. Amen. That's the first time you ever prayed a prayer like that. We want to encourage you in your faith. Uh, Pastor Bob earlier talked about this connection card, letting us know who you are. If, if you made that first step today, if you check this little box, I'm committing my life to Christ. Uh, no one's going to call you. No one's going to bug you. No one's gonna, I, I want to send you a letter to encourage you in your faith. But this is just the beginning. You want to grow these little experiences with God. The more you start to experience it, the more your life will change. When you start having God on your side, it's like walking down a dark alley with Colin at your side. <laughs> it's very reassuring. 
<laughs> because you know God, because He's there for you, to fight for you, to protect you, to bless you, and to make your life better. So let me encourage you, when you pop that in at the end of the service, as the offering goes by, to stick that in there so that we can send you a letter. Anyway, God bless you guys. Have a great day. God bless you, and God bless the Green Bay Packers. Amen. <laughs>